Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Creative Ops, a podcast for creative people by creative people. I'm Christopher Talon, host of the show, and I'm excited to tell you what we got going on today. But first, I want to tell you about the friends of the show. Irie Kitchen is Grand Rapids' best Caribbean restaurant, maybe the best restaurant, period. They serve organic Caribbean street food inspired by Vince, the owner's family's recipes, as well as a fusion of some modern American classics with some Caribbean flair. So go to www.irie.kitchen, find out how you can get some of this delicious food and taste the rhythm. Hey Guys Media Group is out there for you. They want to help you make your podcast. Check out what they've got at heyguysmediagroup.com. They've got all the services to do all the podcasting stuff behind the scenes for you, or they can help you kind of transition from not knowing how to do it, teach you along the way, and put you on a path to do it yourself, or you can just keep them on and they'll keep doing it all for you. Check them out, please. They helped me get started. They're going to help you get started too. Heyguysmediagroup.com. You've heard me say it before, Baby Farm Soaps is the best place to get soaps, lip balms, bath bombs, beard balm, hand creams, any of that kind of stuff. That's your hookup right there. You got to go to Facebook to check them out because it's just a small little company out of Kentucky. Okay, so go on Facebook at Baby Farm Soaps. Tell them that Creative Ops sent you and uh, hopefully they'll return your call. Baby Farm Soaps. Facebook. Go. Now. All right, and here's the last one. The OG sponsors, River Town Adventures, going all the way back to episode one when I interviewed the co-founder, Paul Brogan, and then again at episode 16, the other co-founder, Nate Williams. These guys are good guys. They put out a good product. It's the most fun you're going to have outdoors in Lansing. Kayaks, canoes, stand-up paddle boards. I think they've even got bikes that you can cruise up and down the side of the river, and they got a big boat for events when the events come back. And this year, they've got new routes, so you can go on the Grand River, the Red Cedar River, and now the Looking Glass River. In Lansing, around Lansing, it's the most fun you're going to have. It's a responsible way to have fun with your friends outside, social distance, still together, and enjoying the outdoors and the beautiful nature in the city that you won't get to see otherwise. RivertownAdventures.com. Live free. Go paddle. I spoke with Randy Ford, a West Michigan artist, originally from Sturgis, Michigan, now lives in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and she has this amazing style. She calls them flow paintings, and there's not really a hard straight line anywhere to be found, but at the same time, when you look at it, you can tell immediately what it is. It's not like a, it's not like some really surreal, abstract-looking thing. You you look at her paintings immediately and go, oh, wow, that's that's the beach near Sleeping Bear Dunes or, you know, or wherever. It really draws you in with a sense of depth and movement that is really very unique. And it was fascinating getting to find out what her style, you know, where that came from. So before we get started here, though, I, I want to tell you, she's not just some painter that I saw. She has won tons of awards. She's won the Merit Award for the Magazine of Contemporary Illustration in 2012, Best in Show, Art on the Riverfront Fine Arts Show in 2013, Mayor's Award for Waterfront Invitational Art Fair in Saugatuck in 2014, Best in Show in Traverse City's Outdoor Art Fair in 2015, West Michigan Arts Competition Honorable Mention 2017, Best Artist Under 30 at the 7th Annual Plain Air Salon, Plain Air Magazine, the Cora Bliss Taylor Award at the, again, at the Sagatuck Douglas Art Club, and then 2019 Sagatuck Center for the Arts Award, Waterfront Invitational Art Fair. And besides that, she's also taught at Grand Valley State University as an adjunct professor. Besides that, she teaches workshops at art centers. Really amazing person. Um, great artist. Just a really fun person to talk to and be around to. So I hope you enjoy the interview, and then go check out Randy Ford at randyfordart.com. That's Randy with an I, randyfordart.com, and then you can find out everything else there is to know about this lady what her work looks like, where you can get it, and how you can get in touch with her. So I hope you get a chance to check out randyfordart.com. 
see all the amazing work that she's done, and I hope you enjoy the interview with Randy Ford. sent it to the wrong email i sent it to contract randy for yeah every everyone does that but it's contact so i don't really know how to change my email now so it's do you know yeah. how to change emails uh <laughs> i don't know if it's possible i think you might have to just start a new one and just tell everybody that you've got a new one yeah email your email list hey everybody contact me here yeah. now instead we'll get into some personal stuff but before we do that i want to know why at the core of it all because i know it's a business now but Beyond that, why do you paint? So I just, I paint because it's something that I enjoy. It's a meditative, meditative process for me. Um, being creative and in the moment, it's just something I've been drawn to since a child, since childhood. Um, I've been an only, I'm an only child. So I just found myself doing a lot of um, creative things mm. When I was younger, so I like expressing myself and I like creating beauty too or capturing beauty too. So like after school, I was really drawn to nature and just how beautiful it was and how I felt within the scene. So um, I started creating these paintings outside and um, just really wanted to start sharing them with people. And I guess like my goal with my work now is to just continue creating these beautiful landscapes and having them inspire other people and bring happiness to their life. So I get a lot of joy and happiness creating it. And I want them to feel that when they're viewing the work. That's cool. When I, <laughs> when I first got into write, well, not got into writing, but like first got the itch that, you know, I would say was like the spark that led to me becoming a serious writer later in life was probably when I was um, trying to remember the exact age, but it was probably like around seven or eight, maybe nine. And I would go to my grandma's house for the weekend sometimes. And she would put out a little typewriter and some paper on a on a little fold-out table for me while she was cleaning her house or doing errands and just kind of needed me to be occupied. And that was the first time I was like, oh, I'm going to write a story. And, you know, it just kind of caught on from there. Do you have a, a moment or a person or a place or a time that was like, oh, that was when I first picked up a brush and was like, I love this? Um, yeah, there's something that stands out to me. Like, I just, I started drawing when I was really young and I like drew this like buffalo when I was like two years old my mom always like talks about that and I don't know I've just drawn a lot since I was very little and had like always kind of stood out from other people I guess again I'm an only child so maybe I just I didn't have brothers and sisters to play with so I just had my imagination go wild with all these like different drawings and things yeah so well I've got a my oldest daughter, she's seven years older than our second oldest. So she had the experience of being an only child for a while. And she's insanely artistic as well. So I wonder if that just came from time alone, like you were saying, just kind of like, well, you know what, I'll I'll make something since there's not somebody to uh, play with or beat up or, you know, whatever kids do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. I've talked to you a little bit before. Well, not talked, but, you know, over social media, whatever, about your yeah. style. When I see it, the first thing that I think of, like, because everybody wants to compare things, which is kind of the bane of an artist's existence, right? Being compared to somebody yeah. else. Is there somebody that you get compared to a lot that you're just like, I don't see it? Um, I don't think there's people that I get compared to that I don't see. 
Yeah. But I do, but I do see people that I am compared to that I see. And some people are correct. Like I have had influences in the way that I've created my style. So um, do you want me to talk more about that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cause yeah. I mean, when I see it, I think stuff like um, Van Gogh and I, I always feel like I'm going to say it wrong because it's French and I can't do French Cezanne. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure about Cezanne. I guess I wouldn't really think that that was maybe because it's expressive the way that he paints and there's a lot of color yeah. within that. Um, but I guess, yeah, I get Van Gogh a lot. Everyone always compliments, well, says that because one, that's one of the most popular artists in the world that people know. Yeah. Um, the Starry Night, like everybody sees that and they're like, oh, I know that. And it's kind of that, you know, being somebody who doesn't have a, a big art background uh, or at least art education background, I appreciate it a lot. Uh, I would say that it's kind of your style almost is a mix between like a post impressionism and surrealism, but I, you know, that's, yeah. that's a very limited <laughs> knowledge base yeah. that I'm speaking from too. So I don't know. What do you, what do you think about that? Cause that's, I imagine you've probably heard that before. Yeah. I've, I've kind of described my work as that before when I've, you know, used my hashtags or whatever I've used surrealism and impressionism and, um, yeah, I guess when I was starting to learn how to paint or started creating my work, I was drawn to Van Gogh's work. I I like the way that he uses colors and um, the way that he has a lot of, like, he uses oil paints where I use acrylics. Mm. And the way that he paints, he kind of, you know, it's an impression. There's kind of like line work throughout his pieces, even though it's not as, like, graphic as mine, um, mm -hmm. where he doesn't use a lot of blending and there's a lot of texture. Uh, and just his subject matter, too. Well, I'm more drawn to his landscape paintings and I know he paints buildings and things like that too. But um, yeah, so I was drawn to his work a lot. And also there was a time that I was painting a lot of flowers and a lot of people thought that I, um, what's the artist? Georgia O'Keeffe. Yes, Georgia O'Keeffe. Okay. <laughs> Everyone was always like, oh, Georgia O'Keeffe. So again, that's one of the most popular artists that people know about too. And I was doing things similar to her. I think that we have some similarities in our work as well. Again, she did landscape paintings too, but one of the artists that or art groups actually that influenced me the most is the group of seven, which a lot of people don't know about the group of seven here in America, but in Canada, they're really popular. So after school, after college, I found out about their work. And yeah, I've never heard of them. Yeah. So they were making work at the same time that Vincent Van Gogh was. They were impressionist painters, but they were in Canada and they'd go north of Lake Superior and paint, go hiking and they paint landscapes in Canada there, just north of Lake Superior. Um, and they would have art shows in Toronto and their work is really what stood out to me because what they were doing was capturing the spirit of nature and, um, just they had these like really beautiful uh, oil paintings that just kind of, you know, captured the, the, um, the spirit in it had a lot of color, just oh, beautiful. Yeah. I just beautiful pulled scenes. them up. Yeah. Really beautiful scenes. So when I was starting to make paintings, like the feeling that they have in their work is kind of what I was trying to get in mine. And I had like the yeah, same I, connection. I yeah. So they really, inspired me to continue going out in nature and paint especially since they're so close to where we are right now too yeah so I can see how that would grab you as a, a you know somebody who likes nature being from michigan yeah, yeah. 
So yeah, I went to um, Toronto and saw some of their work too. But um, so their work really influenced mine. And also like, I really like Art Nouveau. And I'm sorry, when did you say I was, I think I was being a bad listener while I was looking at some of their pictures. Are you good? When, when did you say you got into the group of seven in college or? Just right after, like right after, uh, right, after. right when I was starting to create landscapes. Um, after I graduated, that's when I started diving into creating landscapes. Started Were you kind of doing the flowers before that or was that even, you know, before? That was later. That? Yeah, that was even later. I just kind of dove, like did a few series of flowers. So, okay. Um, Sorry, yeah, I keep I, interrupting you. Oh, you're good. <laughs> yeah, so I graduated Grand Valley, and then I was living next to Lake Michigan because that's where the campus is. So I was went there in the summer and came really drawn to painting landscapes of Lake Michigan. I grew up in southern Michigan, which is not close to yeah. the lake. Yeah. I did a little bit of research on Sturgis, and a couple of things that I wanted to say, since we kind of are talking about that quickly, and I don't want to dwell on it too long. Um it's called the electric city. I, I saw in my oh, yeah? research. Is, is that something that people still acknowledge it as or not really? Um, I've Sturgis. never, I haven't even heard that before. Okay. The so. only, <laughs> the only reason I saw that was because they're like one of the oldest city owned electric companies going back to like 1896. Oh, okay. Yeah. I had no so, idea. Yeah. And their sister city is Weisslach, Germany, which has the largest printing press manufacturing site in the world. Okay. So. Yeah. We've had German, those exchange students from Germany come there. Oh, really? So yeah. This oh, that's cool that there's more to it than just like, we're, you know, we're going to share signs that have each other's towns. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. They come over and then our people from our high school would go there and like see that town and everything. So. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that must, had, did you ever do any uh, international travel, high school or otherwise? Um, I have done international travel, not that much. Uh, my friend. Yeah, Canada school. doesn't count because we're from yeah. Michigan. That's like going next door. No, yeah. No, I've gone to Paris to visit my friend that lives there now. And then I've also been to the Philippines to visit my other friend that lives there now. So that's the two places I've been. But <laughs> I um, haven't gone anywhere besides that. Okay, been so in- you went to Paris. I'm guessing you saw some art while you were there. I did. Did you see all the all the famous places and all the famous paintings? Um, yeah, yeah, we went around. That was just like two years ago. I went there, so yeah, we went to like the that's the, the Louvre, Louvre, right? That's Paris. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was fun. We went to the Louvre yeah. and saw some different sites and things that you would see when you're there. <laughs> yeah, and so. I'm, I'm I'm sure a lot of people would want to talk about that, but I'm curious about. Um, I don't know much about you know Filipino art. Did you see any art while you were there? No, I just went for my friend's wedding, so. Nothing oh, too art related. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it was it was a very specific yeah. kind of vacation, I see. Yeah. Yeah. But back to the inspiration for the art, the yes. way it's visual. In Paris, I did see one of the artists that work that did inspire my design as well. Um, so they had a lot of art nouveau mm. work there. So um Alphonse Mucha is an artist that really influenced me. Um kind is of M U C H A. Yep, M-U-C-H-A. So he was a printmaker back in like the early 19th century um, from Czechoslovakia, I'm pretty sure. Um, But I really love his work. It's kind of psychedelic a little bit, the way that they... Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's very like flowy, draws beautiful women in nature, and it has kind of like a flat 2D, thinking more about design rather than realism, 
Yeah. So very stylized um, pieces. So the way that I've incorporated his design into my work is kind of like those fluid line work, the fluid line work in flat shapes and colors within my scenes. Yeah. I'm seeing that right now. I'm looking at um, one of his pieces. That's got a, a woman with almost kind of like little mermaid style red hair. And it's just curls and like not a, not a hard line anywhere. And it's just taken over the whole thing. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So I really love his work and feel a connection to him. So that with the combination of like, impressionist work is kind of like how my work has evolved and also like Asian art too. I'm really in art history is really drawn to like the way that the Japanese woodblock prints were created. And again, printmaking style about the same time that Muko was making work. So the way that they design their pieces really influenced my work too. So those, that's kind of like the core influences of how I've decided to create my work. I've also worked as like a graphic designer too. So hmm. thinking about colors and shapes and yeah. design in that way, like kind of, cause some of my pieces have like flat, a lot of, they're made up of a lot of different flat shapes and colors. So like layered on top of each other. Yeah. So that's kind of that way of thinking and creating in the computer has also influenced the way I create new pieces. Yeah, that's very interesting because I had um, I had a visual effects artist on my show and he talked about the way that they'll build backgrounds for movies is kind of the same way as, you know, you you put one layer down, then you put another layer over that and then, then another layer over that. Yep, um, yeah, I do use a lot of layering in my pieces too, to yeah. create depth. So like, yeah, I well, have a working, lot of layers. Because the, <laughs> the pictures, when I look at them, um, especially the bigger ones that have more more going on. Uh, yeah. The Oh man, the Utah life, the one I'm looking at on uh, your website right now. Yeah. That's phenomenal. And the thing that I like about, um, well, I don't know, because that almost sounds like I would be saying that I don't like the the group of seven paintings I do, but yours seems to capture more detail while still using kind of that same style of like, well, I guess looking at the way that they use their colors, I can see a lot of that in yours, but theirs looks less less detail oriented and more like use of colors oriented and yours takes that use of color, but also puts a very like real, like if you just looked at your painting for a second and looked away again, you'd be like, I just looked at a picture, but then you look and be like, Oh wait, no, that's a painting. (laughs) Yeah. Obviously a painting. Okay. Hold on a second. It it, it has uh, like you were saying a depth to it and a a realism and almost life to it too. Cause when you look around, those those little swirls and eddies and lines that you've got going on, like they almost seem like they move in the peripheral part of your vision and yeah. it adds life to it. Is that what specifically what I described? Is that something that, be honest now, you would say, I do that intentionally and that's why I paint that way? Or was that just kind of a happy byproduct of what you thought was visually pleasing? It's uh, a little bit of both, I guess I would say. I kind of like... Um, I do, I am trying to create a lot of movement in my pieces. So another thing about me is I'm really into music too. I've been musical all my life. <laughs> right on. So I've been like in musicals, been a dancer, singer, went to a state solo ensemble in high school. So I've been really into music. I Okay, so not, not just singing in the shower. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to pursue music originally, 
And it wasn't until like my senior year in high school that I decided to take my art classes. And then that year I I dropped choir. I was like, I'm not going to pursue this. Like I want to do art. And then I took all art classes and then ended up going to art school. And so after art school now, like I'm very into going to see live music shows and concerts and festivals and have a lot of friends within that music, within the music scene. And, um, I listen to music all day when I'm painting. So yeah. kind of like uh, music without words, more just like trancey, psychedelic. I was going to ask you because what you do and what I do, again, writing, not the same thing, obviously, because I'm thinking specifically in words. So when I hear music with words, it's like it just kind of jams up my thinking. But Yep. Why, why for you, no words? Do you find yourself too just kind of getting distracted by the, like the poetry of the music or, or what? Exactly. Yeah. I do like to listen to some with words, but that's why I kind of stopped. Also, I just like really getting into the rhythm and the beat of the music. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the words kind of, with words kind of play off the words more than the actual rhythm. And mm. I just kind of like getting lost in it. And when I'm painting, that rhythm comes out within my pieces as yeah. you can tell, you can visually see that. So it kind of gets me into this like flow state of mind that allows me to put that sense of flow and rhythm in the piece. You call it flow paintings and Randy Ford flow. Yeah. Your idea is <laughs> Randy Ford flow paintings or Randy Ford flow? Uh, I, I was thinking about just going Randy Ford flow. I, but I have it as Randy Ford. It's my name. And then just flow paintings. Like okay. underneath but um yeah, yeah, yeah i have like that just so people know what i'm doing but eventually i kind of think i might just take off the paintings part and do the randy ford flow or just randy ford yeah. <laughs> but where my mind is at with the the whole flow piece of that is like you had said flow state and that's something that i i think about a lot too is you know getting into that mindset that some people meditate to get to some people play a instrument to get to some people paint or write whatever to get to yeah it, is do you call it flow paintings because of the visual aesthetic or because of the the creative mind space or both or which came first yep it's both so um first well because when i'm painting i get into that flow state of mind then i'm a lot able to create my pieces with that visual my work used to not be as fluid as it is now if you see some of my older pieces um they're, they're still very technically strong, but they are not stylized in the way that I paint now. And now it's just really hard for me to make like a straight line and not have it be this like fluid pattern because all my pieces have like a pattern to them. Um, I think I know what you're saying, but what do you mean by they have a pattern to them? They have a pattern, a fluid circular pattern within the pieces i think van gogh kind of has a similar pattern in his too so that's why okay i see what you mean yeah almost like the way that like if you combed your hair in one direction it would kind of you would see or well that's a stupid analogy what's i don't know you said it fine yeah well they have a pattern like there's like an underlying pattern with like a circular wave to the a circle and or a wave to them a rhythm like it's kind of like a vibration yeah the way the vibrations have so Yeah, so I create my work like that when I'm in that flow state. Um, also, I get into that flow state when I go to like concerts and dance too. I'm really, I really get into dancing. So, yes, 
So I'm kind of in that mindset a lot, which allows me to create my paintings the way they are. <laughs> I think if we went to a concert together, we would both enjoy it the same, but you wouldn't know from watching because when I go to a concert, I play a little bit of music. So when I go to a concert, I'm just like watching it all as like somebody who's been on stage a little bit, just being like, what are they doing up there? And I just yeah. kind of like stand there and stare and take it all in. And people are like, hey, man, how come you're not like dancing or singing? I'm like, I'm too enthralled to move. Yeah. Yeah. You're more like locked into what's going on. in the Yeah. Stage. Whereas my wife will just kind of stand right in front of me and dance around just, you know, just off to the side enough that I can still see what's going on. Yeah. 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 I usually I'm pretty short, so I usually can't see the, see the stage that much. So then I just um, don't pay that much attention to the stage. Oh, that's about <laughs> how, how tall are you? I'm like five three. Okay, so. so that's that's not like really really short. Where somebody would be like, "Whoa, you're really short," but that would be just short enough that yeah, if you were at a concert or a public space, or have have you ever had trouble like even in a movie theater where you're like, "Oh, oh man, no, not really." Okay. So it's not that <laughs> yeah. bad. Not that yeah, bad. Just <laughs> um, usually there's taller people standing in front of me at concerts. <laughs> yeah, especially in West Michigan. Yeah. Going back to Sturgis, just real quick, that's down there by the Indiana border, right? But yeah. how far from um, how far from water are you then? Like like uh, it's, it's like Michigan? It's like no, three hours probably. It's like three hours because it's like in line to where Lake Michigan ends. Mm -hmm. So the Michigan's kind of going more west. The land is. Do they so still yeah, get it takes lake about, effect snow and stuff there, or no? I don't think so. I don't think there's as much snow down there. Yeah. yeah. Sturgis doesn't get bad snow. Yeah. How, yeah. What's going on in Sturgis these days? Do you do you ever still go back there? Because one thing I saw was that there was like a very slight population drop off, like maybe 100 people, but like not not anything huge. So is there a lot going on there right now or um, I well, was there before so. the My, pandemic? Um, I don't think so. My parents live there still. Yeah. So I go back and visit them. Um, but it's it's a small town, so I know they're growing a bit. Like Meyer just opened up there recently, um, and some other places. But you know, it's a small town farming community. Yeah. Um. So yeah, mostly they're it's focused around farming. There's Amish people down there. Oh, that's a lot cool. Of Amish. Well, I mean, I yeah. don't know why that's cool, but like when well, you're cool. when you live in the city and you see somebody like driving a buggy and you're like, they don't use electricity at all. Yeah. Oh. Yep. Yeah. So there's tons of Amish communities in that area, like horse and buggies, a good amount. So in the areas. There. The best bread flour I've ever had is from Amish bakeries. And the best furniture I've ever seen is from Amish furniture stores. Yep. Yeah, they have really nice furniture. My dad likes to work with them. He uh, builds houses and stuff sometimes. So uh, he works with like Amish there to build them and stuff. Yeah. So. And the one thing that yeah. blew my mind more than anything when I was the last time I was in an Amish bakery was, you know, they still pay their sales tax and stuff. So this person's ringing up like, I don't know how much stuff between like me and a couple other people and just real quick goes, all right, that'll be this much. Like does the sales tax figures all of it out and like faster than I could even like write oh, the okay. equation. And I was just like, wow, you have to be really good at math when you can't use a calculator. It blew, yeah. blew my mind that like it was just instant. Yeah. Because I sit there and yeah, somebody will ask me, how much is sales tax going to be on $11? Like, uh. Yeah. Um, yeah. They have a definitely different way of life. Yeah. But 
yeah so it's cool i so do you have any appeal to like live in small town uh, america again are you kind of more drawn to live in uh living in a medium midwest city yeah i like the medium midwest city i do like it there like my grandma has a lot of property and it's really beautiful with like the woods and like so i do miss that part like i would ideally when i think about like a house i'd like to live in like i'd like oh I wish I could live in the woods like her house but I don't like being separated from community and I like being around where there's things going on and people creating and art and like all that so there's pros and cons like ideally I would rather live in around Grand Rapids and find a place that has a little bit more country to it (laughs) yeah yeah get get a spot maybe 15 20 minutes outside the city on like two acres that'd be pretty cool yep yeah Yeah. (laughs) but everybody wants that right now so you'd have to pay up (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's true, right? <laughs> uh, you got to pay up to live anywhere around here right now. It's nuts, isn't it? Yeah, uh, it is. <laughs> are you renting now? Um, I have a, a house that I own now. So okay, yeah. Luckily, I was able to get one before the prices went started going up, like six years ago. Yeah, yeah. We that's so, how long I've been living where I am now too. Is uh, well, we might be going seven years now, but yeah. We were talking about it. Well, we've talked about it a lot lately because we just did a refinance. And um, it was like, yeah, I don't think we could afford to live in this neighborhood now. Yeah. Yeah. Which we is a luckies. weird thought. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. I'm going to refinance my house too since they have the low interest rates yeah. also. so <laughs> It's almost weird though because people who are buying houses here now, it almost feels like I snuck into a club that I don't belong in. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. Oh, geez. I do this all the time. I have terrible ADD. Okay. So um, I want to ask you, uh, getting back to your style again, when did you get, how long would you say you've been painting in the style at the quality that you, that you are, are selling and stuff? Uh, how long has that been your style? And then where did it kind of, you know, when did it start becoming that exactly? Yeah. Um, I would say, yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. I think the painting that like stands out to me the most where I really like had a big growth in and like stands out. Uh, I don't know. Um, I think I would say about like 2015 is like really when my, I like really honed in when I purchased this house, um, is when I really honed in to my work and like was there was there I was was there a correlation between the two when you were like okay I gotta start getting serious about like business and being productive on a regular basis and all that kind of stuff yep yeah so I purchased this house so I could have like a studio space to work in because you know renting is so expensive and um yeah (laughs) yep she's like here but um yes I purchased this home I needed a space to have like a workspace and a living space. So that worked out for me to get this. And I really honed into creating my pieces here. Um, I also had opportunities to have some art shows as well. So like I had my first gallery solo show in Glen Arbor. There's a gallery there that I showed my work at. And so I had to make a big body of work. Anyways, it was an art gallery there that they have like shows weekly and they feature an artist and, um, that opportunity was really great because I was able to make like 20 pieces for it. And then oh, wow. yeah, like 15 or 20 pieces. And then, um, so I was able to make a really big body of work. And then after that is when my work really developed is when I made a piece for art prize in 2000 yeah. and 
15 or 16, it was a really big sunset piece, like four foot by five foot sunset piece. I called radiate positivity were one. And it was this really beautiful, epic sunset that just like really stood out. And I put a lot of time into that piece um, and showcased it during art prize at Panera bread is where my venue was right downtown. So, and it matched the Panera bread's colors exactly too. So um, that was a really impactful piece for me, just the message behind it. And then just the growth that I had creating the, the piece as well. So that and really like, that's the 2015 one. Yeah. I think okay, that's, that's I just want to make sure I'm looking at the right one. Radiate positivity. We're one. Yeah. Do you see it? Yeah. Oh, were you looking at it at? Um, from, uh, the art prize website from oh. the, the, your tab up. Oh, nice. You found it. So it's got all your entry. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Contrary to popular belief, there is some preparation for the show. <laughs> yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. I didn't even know that was still on art prizes website. So yep, cool. yep. they've still got you with all your, uh, with all your different entries in there. Cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. So that piece was a big piece, right? Uh, like four by five foot. That was the biggest piece at the time that I had made piece and i made it here in this house <laughs> man the sky and just like, you keep getting lost in the water the the line of the sun on the water yeah yeah that water turned out really well with it with that piece just the way the beam of light was coming forward towards yeah. you and uh the photograph i had i was able to like really like like capture that like it was able it was a good photograph to be able to work from to create that yeah yeah, it's it's funny. It's almost like it's almost like a dream where reality just starts melting, but not in a scary way, in a in a fun like, oh, okay, let's see where this goes away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, photography. The last no, that was the last person I interviewed, but it wasn't the last person that was on. I interviewed um, Peter Terrace, who's a couple decade veteran of surf photography, and we talked about you know photography. Well, he talked about it. I asked ignorant questions. Um, and I'm going to do that to you now too. Mm-hmm. When you photograph stuff, do you, um, cause you said you paint mostly from photographs, right? Yeah. Your nature stuff. Um, <clears throat> do you try to get just the right photograph and then paint that photograph like kind of, you know, square for square, or do you take as much artistic liberty as you need to with placements of things or, you know, does is the photograph itself a work of art or just kind of a starting place? Um, it's more of a starting place. I, I really do try to take great photos. Like I'm pretty good at, like I base that for the bottom line of the the painting, mm. take a bunch of photos. I'm really good at composing through photographs. Um, so I take a bunch of different photographs and then I will change things even more in the painting to make it stronger okay. too. So I just kind of use that as a reference and then I incorporate other elements to the pieces. Sometimes I'll put them into Photoshop and then I'll um, kind of like change things in there, like with the paint tool and like incorporate more patterns or like change the shapes more um, so I can create like a balanced image. Um, yeah. Just to get the the right geographic balance yep. in the, yeah. in the picture. Yeah, the balance with all the shapes and colors and to create that sense of movement too, I have to like place the objects in just the right spot also. So, um, you know, another Grand Valley art grad uh, talked about doing stuff like that. Do you know Zach Snyder? 
by chance? I don't. No. Okay. I'm not sure when he graduated. Um, but uh, yeah, he's he's on uh, on Instagram at least uh, at Sneed Art. Um, but uh, yeah, he also went to Grand Valley and he talked a lot about you know when he's composing, which he does uh, murals, a lot of stuff like in hallways in like hospitals yeah. or uh, I think he painted a inside of a grow facility somewhere and like he does these long stretching hallways. Okay. And, geography is like the big thing for him sorry i'm just kind of segueing that into you guys both have grand valley in common he said that he really liked the education there as far as you know giving him the tools to be good at his craft but he was like you know in the classroom there's not a whole lot of okay here's all the tools to be an artist now here's the tools to survive as an artist once you leave college do you feel like there's plenty of opportunity to to get that education in college or is that something that they could do better at or is that just something that like you know you've just got to jump in and swim uh yeah um yeah there definitely isn't that much that within the school teaching you how to do that I know I did take a class that wasn't like the most popular class that was like um business for for artists where it was like a night class once a week I think where they showed us like we would go to different artists that own their own business's house mm. and they talk about how they started their business. So I think that was like a good one to take. Um, I'm not sure if they always offer that or if that's just sometimes. So um, that was helpful, but I don't, yeah, they don't really go fully in depth. They do mostly just teach you how to make work. Not so that yeah, there's after, a fault to that. I mean, if you're going to be paying good money, you should, you should be getting as much <laughs> artistic input as you possibly can. Yes. Yeah. No, I think what helped me the most, like what I did to learn more about business and, you know, actually surviving and doing well was just first I took, when I graduated, I took an accounting class at GRCC. So I graduated and I was like, well, I need some skills to do this. So I went to GRCC and took an accounting class. And then I also took a business uh, entrepreneur class. So I took entrepreneur class too, which taught me all about like starting a business and getting ideas for business. So I did that. And then I also, awesome. GRCC is great, by the way, I just got to say, I, um, I was in the Navy, then got out of the Navy, went to GRCC, graduated from there, then went to Aquinas and graduated from there. And I worked at the tutoring center a little bit. GRCC is amazing. If, uh, if you want to succeed there, that, that it's, a, it's a great place. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. I felt like there was a lot of knowledge in it. The homework load wasn't like too intense to where you know, yeah, coming coming off of a bachelor's degree, it's 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 a noticeable kind of like gear down. Yeah, but so that was good for me. And then I also worked at a jewelry store for a little while at Jared's jewelry store. So I worked there for a little while, and that was really good for me to to learn how to talk to um, clients and like kind of like do the whole customer yeah, service. You have to, I don't want to say schmooze, but kind of a little bit like. You have to learn how to talk to a person and get them to receive you in kind of a favorable way and then present them with whatever, which seems like anybody who could sell anything that would be a good training ground for that. Yep. Yeah. So that was good for me to start to get into that because I really wasn't didn't have opportunities to do that besides like waitressing for people. So um, which is a different thing. It's not about you there. It's just like, hurry up and give me my drink. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but I started doing art shows, like selling my stuff at art markets is like where I first started. Like I first started at Fulton Street. Just like a, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. You were going to oh, say, go ahead. yeah, for Fulton Street 
um, artesian market where they have the mm. farmer's market. They have an artesian market on Sundays. Yeah, yeah, so just, just to the, if you're looking at it from the street, just to the left of it, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So that's where I first started uh, showing my work and talking to people about my work, um, talking to different artists about different art shows. And after that, I started getting into fine art festivals and things like that. And was this um, all self-driven for the most part, or was it kind of through meeting people? Because like, that's one thing Zach said too, is he learned a lot of business stuff through talking to other artists who were like surviving as artists more more than anything and they would yeah. say hey you should try this or you should talk to this person oh you you should go where this person's going yep exactly that's exactly what happened just um first i would talk to just people to you know connect with others and you just make all these different connections and start having new opportunities and one thing leads to the next so uh that's really what i did and just meeting people i've met so many people at art fairs um learned a lot about just different people and you just kind of learn over time to not be embarrassed or afraid to talk to new people and just um i've just learned to be really genuine and connect to people on a deep level and that's really what has helped me to succeed and can you know <laughs> yeah i wanted to ask you uh, specifically in the art fair environment you can okay Weird story that's going to segue back into this. My daughter sold some stuff that she made um, at like a local arts and crafts fair. Mm-hmm. And she got a really fast lesson in how business works. Somebody was like, here, we'll we'll sell them all for a dollar first and see how fast they sell. And I started selling them for a dollar and people were buying like three or four at a time. I said, all right, let's try selling them for $5 now for a while. And nobody bought any. And then they said, all right, let's try selling them for $2 by you know, two for three. And they started selling, you know, regularly again. Do you learn on the fly that way in that environment? Or do you have to go in there, put a price tag on and be like, that's how much it costs? Um, because I'm imagining a, a newer artist going in there being like, well, I want to sell something, putting a low price tag on there and then walking away with a little bit of money and like nothing really to show for the whole experience. Well, yeah, my prices have changed as I've grown as an artist, as my name's grown and as the quality has grown. Like when I first started showing my work, my the quality was not what it is today. And the price wasn't what it is today either. So um, I've just kind of slowly grown my prices and slowly grew my craft as well. So it's been a progression from, you know, Fulton Street farmer's market prices to right. fine art galleries prices. So <laughs> yeah. Um, very slow process. I've been doing those shows since 2012. So it's been almost 10 years now that I've been doing them. How does an artist get into that? Do you have to submit like a portfolio of work to somebody to like be like, I'm serious and I'm good enough? Or do you just kind of like show up and be like, can I put this in here or what? Uh, no, yeah, you have to apply. So there's like a website that you can apply. Well, some art fairs have their own website that you apply on. And then there's ones where they go through Zapplicate it's called application and you apply. They've all kind of turned towards that um, platform and put their application on there. So artists from all over the country will apply to different art fairs and you get, there's a jury review of all the artists and then they select their favorite artists that they want to have in the art fair. And then um, you get accepted or not. And then the booths cost money to be in them too. So the ones that are more well-known and have a lot of people that come to them and they market it more is are more expensive to be in and then the smaller ones so 
I started off doing smaller art fairs and like now I'm able to get into some of the really big art fairs. So definitely takes time to reach that because you have to have like your booths shot. So you have to have a nice booth too and a photo of that. So like starting out, I didn't have a nice booth. Um, and I slowly, my booth became better to where eventually I'm able to get into these good art shows where I was into, like was only able to get into smaller ones when I first started out. Yeah. Yeah. So the more you do, the more you grow yourself, the more you get your name out there. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't want to forget about this. So I want to ask, I thought that I read at one point that you were um, one of the artists in residence for the state parks or the federal yep. parks or what? Yeah. The Porcupine Mountain State Park. Porcupine Mountain State Park. Okay. Yeah. I saw an opportunity, um, you know, to apply for something like that. And I saw like that they took writers and I was like, Ooh, and I looked and it's like, okay, you know, they, they want more like poets and maybe a short story writer, probably not a science fiction novelist, Oh, <laughs> but, um, well, I don't know. I, I guess I could always try The worst they could say is no. Right. Yeah. Other the government, maybe they could change my birthday. Um, yeah. so oh. yeah, I don't know, but I thought that that looked really cool. Cause I'll Oops. tell you what it looked like to me. And then you can just tell me how much I got right around. You get to live more or less rent free in a park and you just have to create art based on the stuff that's around you for yes. however long it's that time. Yeah. Okay. So how long did you do that? And well, I guess what was the application process like for that? How did you even find out about it? And then uh, we'll go from there. Yeah. Someone recommended it to me. So I ended up applying to it. Cause that was like, this one also wasn't a super well-known one. I know there's like ones that go to the national park service that I had like tried to apply to before that were a lot more competitive also where mm. this one was like a state local one. And I was right. like, well, I've never been here before. This looks really beautiful. It's like an awesome program. Um, and I applied to that and got into it. Um, basically again, just, you know, an application online with your portfolio. So you have to have good photos and good work to show for it. Um, yeah, yeah. Write an artist statement, write why you want to do, you have to write why you want to do it also. Um, so there's a whole process of getting accepted into that. Um, How much time goes by from you mailing or emailing your application to, all right, you're our artist in residence. Yeah. Um, I think it was a few months. I mean, I did that back in like 2016. So that was a while ago, but it was did enough time go by that when they contacted you, you were like, Oh, that's a thing still. Yeah. Yeah. It was only like a few months waiting, like three okay, months yeah. or something. I would have totally forgot about it after like three weeks. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, totally. They uh, do that and then you can plan for it. Like they tell you enough ahead of time to plan for it, like months ahead of time, you know, for the next How much time and what time of the year was it that uh, you were, you know, living, uh, living in the parks? Yeah, I went in um, like August, I think it was. July or August was when I was there. and. I know, that was really cool. That was before I had pets. So for, for like can, the for like the whole month or a couple um, weeks? it was for two weeks. So two I had weeks. a cabin for two weeks in the woods that was like private. Not all of them are like this. This one was just like a special one where they have this like artist cabin that was private. It didn't have running water or anything. So that was something that was um I had to get used to or like was it a chore to get was it a chore to get to clean water? There was actually a river right next to it. So I just kind of used my filter to use the water. 
Oh, like, right on. Yeah, so I ended up just doing that the whole time. But did it have a kitchen was, or even like a, a fire stove or anything? There's a fire stove, but there's no like refrigerator or anything. So I just kind of like ate like dry foods and stuff. Yeah, you probably time. don't want to use July, August in Michigan. It's probably yeah. hot and humid up there. I started out with a cooler and my stuff like went bad like the first day because it just melted. It doesn't have a great cooler. So I was like, I'm just going to eat things that don't go bad and drink the water from here. So yeah. um, a lot of cliff bars and stuff like that. Uh, had like a lot of avocado toast and some protein, beef jerky and stuff. So you lived on gas station snacks and river water for a while. Yep. <laughs> well, yeah. And fruit and stuff. It was good. It was the wa- river water was good too. So <laughs> Yeah. Oh, you know, once you get, cause everybody looks at Michigan, like it, it's a map of their hand. Once you yeah. get into the fingers, I think the water just becomes insanely cleaner. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that's and like all forget, the way up. Forget the upper peninsula. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that was in the upper peninsula, like, you know, along Lake Superior. Yeah. So the water was really clean. Now there is significant wildlife in the upper peninsula did you have any moments not necessarily even scary ones but where you're just like oh wow it's a huge wild animal um i didn't see any wild animals but i like huge ones i did see the mice there the mice there are very different and kind of creepy and like have really the big m- eyes mice <laughs> yeah they're bigger and they have bigger eyes so like somewhere between a mouse that most people might think of and like a rat, like kind of like halfway between those. Yeah. Yep. It's big. (laughs) I saw them there again when I went there last time to visit and they were like trying to get into our food and like running all over and like climbed in the car. And when I was there, there was one like in the back because I had to go into this outhouse to use the bathroom that was outside of the cabin and the mouse was like in there trying to get the toilet paper and... That scared me a lot because it climbed into the toilet I was supposed to use. And then I didn't oh, know if it was like going to be in no, there when I was going. No. <laughs> so that was the scariest animal that I saw there. Well, that is, that's definitely yeah, an alarming animal encounter or potential alarming uh, animal encounter. Yeah, they're very big. <laughs> they're like this big, maybe. It's like, it's like, just like different different type of mouse. <laughs> how, much, uh, how much time would you spend a day? Well, were you there by yourself or do you like, do you bring a friend or? I was there by myself most of the time. And then my boyfriend came for a few days. So then he came and we did some hikes and stuff. Um, nice. But I was there at the end. I was getting kind of stir crazy just being there alone <laughs> for so long. But um, it yeah, was good. Up there, you might as well be on a remote island. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't just stay at the cabin the whole time. I went on hikes throughout the day and stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's what and... I wanted to know is like, what what might a day look like? you know if you if you were blocking off times what how much time did you spend like just fun hiking how much time did you spend like taking pictures that you might paint how much time did you spend actually painting if you did yep. while you were there or if yeah, it was yeah. photography or yep so i did some smaller pieces um it was raining some of the days i was there pretty mm. bad so i just painted from the deck of the cabin like the area around around it so i did that for a few days when i couldn't actually just go out and hike And when the days were nice, I went and hiked and took photographs, met people. Um, Part of the thing was that you give like um, a talk about your work to people there. So when I was there, there was a music festival going on Hmm. that they put on, which um, was. Uh, What's that one called? Porky's and um, it's called Porky's. 
and something. <laughs> I th- yeah, no, I think I know what you're talking about because I don't know if they played it the year that you were there or not, but um, there's a Grand Rapids band that I would love to get on the show sometime called the Crane Wives. Have you ever heard okay. of them? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I know them. And I know that they did, I think, a festival in the Porcupine Mountains before, uh, you know, that everything might got pandemic Yeah, I don't think I saw them there, but there was other bands and stuff that were local to Grand Rapids and um, some musicians that I know. And so that was, that was cool to go there and be a part of that. I just had to like paint live when I was there in like the nature and then people would come up to me and I'd tell them about my process and what I was doing there. So, yeah. So I like like that. Are you some weirdo who lives in the woods? You're like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I preferred that. Usually you would give like some kind of presentation where this was more casual at a music festival. So that was fun for me because I like music festivals. (laughs) So what kind of music, I know you said that you like to paint to stuff that's kind of like trancey. Um, but when you are like, Oh, I want to go and see this band or performer or whatever. What uh, what draws you? I like a lot of music, um, but I am into like the EDM music scene. Um, so I do like a lot of I do like a lot of jam bands too. I like a lot of I like reggae music. I like jam bands. I like psychedelic rock. I like um, bass. I'm really into I like bass music and dubstep and glitch hop and <laughs> funk music uh i like a lot of that yeah you All know that <laughs> my my buddy who i interviewed on um i think episode five i think from fresh coast seed company well no no fresh coast seed co gotta say it right um he is totally into that kind of music and he'll be rocking out um in his in his grow warehouse <laughs> yeah doing this thing with his plants just yep that's me too (laughs) yeah i imagine i imagine you guys have the same kind of style he's you know he's pollinating plants and you're painting landscapes though yep (laughs) that's pretty cool yeah because i don't know i sometimes i like just a really quiet space to do my thing yeah but then there's other times where I'm like, I'm going to put on some music and play it loud while I'm doing my thing. Yeah. Do you, do you go through times where you do both or is it pretty much always music behind you? Yeah, I do do both. There's times that I work and I'm just quiet um, when I need to do that. But I also play, play music that's quieter too. But then sometimes I play music that's really gets me hype too also. So yeah. um, it just kind of yeah. depends on how I feel. So. But yeah, sometimes yeah. I listen to podcasts too. But again, I don't, it's hard for me to get really into the painting if I'm concentrating on someone talking and what they're saying. So, yeah. And and you said that you paint to the, the feeling of the music sometimes. Yeah. Um, like I would definitely, I, I wrote a book that has kind of like this zombie-ish type element to it, but I would listen to just really creepy, like dark weird orchestral music a lot of the time when i was writing like some of the weird weirder darker scenes yeah and it was amazing how fast my brain was like "Ooh, you know what we could do to this person like (laughs) yeah uh, the the music does have an effect so what if you're if you're trying to paint like um trying to think there was one painting that i saw that i immediately was like i've been there there it is oh it's just called Mm -hmm. sleeping bear um okay (laughs) 
yeah i i feel like i've got a picture with me and my son right like square in the middle of that exact spot you probably don't remember but is there like a little wooden guardrail that keeps people from falling over the edge right yeah. next to that yes i think you're talking about like the we, empire block view that might be yeah yeah yep yep yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've got a picture of me and my son he loves it yeah when we were a- uh, up there camping and hiking but oh my gosh i gotta tell you about this because i don't want to bad mouth the parks because they're great but they had one really bad summer on the sleeping bear islands or at least on south and not sleeping browns the manitou south manitou island yeah. had one really bad summer of mosquitoes oh. and me and my wife took our four kids our youngest was like three and then five at the time and then the older girls were you know they could manage okay and we brought another family who also had young kids and the entire time we were out there we were just like oh my god they're everywhere they're biting yeah. through my jacket and it was <laughs> it was unfortunate but uh yeah we did still get a lot of good hiking in on um on the mainland side and that's yeah with the view of manitou in the distance there it takes me yeah. right back to it immediately I've been there before too, to the South Manitou Island and it was really cool. <laughs> yeah. Have you done North? No, I want to though. Uh, I want to, I haven't. See, I feel That's like South list. is the intro to North Yep. because when you go to South, South Manitou Island, uh, the Michigan South Manitou Island, cause I, someone told me that there's like another set of Manitou Islands in Wisconsin and you have to be specific if you're calling 911 oh, okay. cause they'll go oh, to the okay. wrong one. But yeah, so the Michigan Manitou Islands, um, South, you have to sleep on a campground, and there's what like three different campgrounds you can choose from. Yeah, I think so. Something like that, um, and they're still fairly well spaced out. It's not like a state campground where there's like just a little line, and it's like, okay, that's yeah. the other person's. Um, there's a good sense of privacy there. Um, but North, they have one campground, and it's more like state campground style, where everybody's next to each other, and you can hear everybody, and there's like a big fire pit that's communal. But beyond that, you can go. Anywhere you want and just throw down your stuff. Yeah. You have to be so far from high tide water um, and so far from any historic buildings or anything that otherwise says like no camping. You have to be so far from the markers, you know, but it's pretty easy to follow those rules. And yeah. And otherwise you can just be like, hey, this is a nice field. Let's just pop it up here. Yeah. How long does that take to get around the island? North is like... I want to say it's like two and a half times bigger than South. So if I, I went with a friend one time, just me and my buddy, Paul, who I actually interviewed on episode one, um, we went up there one time and we did the entire Island and we started like, you know, we kind of like had a slow morning, ate our breakfast, drank our coffee, sat around a little bit and then we're like, Hey, all right, let's try to do the Island. So whatever time that was in the morning. And then by the time we finished, we were both half drunk and it was like midnight and we got back to where we started. Oh, so it yeah. takes a whole day if you want to do okay. the full outline. So, so you didn't camp around it. You just camped one spot and then you didn't yeah. like back. Okay. Yeah. yeah I've got a spot that like... I can tell you about. If you promise never to tell anybody, I won't <laughs> say it on the podcast, but there's an amazing spot. It's totally private and it's got great views and nobody even, nobody knows about it. Okay. You tell me. And so I can, yeah, find I'll tell it. you, you can't tell anybody else. Okay. I'll okay. just tell the person I'm going with. <laughs> yes. Yes. And then swear them to secrecy as well. Yes. Only when they're with you can they camp there. It'll only be us two. Yes. So it'll be okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, North is awesome. You just, you got to make sure that you bring your own um, fire for cooking because you can't have fires. Yeah. Jet boil. 
yeah. so you got a jet boil or you know you could get like an mre do it that style do you know about mres um i'm not sure what that is it's a military thing you can get them from the like the px stores um and i actually had some when i was in the military uh but you can buy these meals and it's i think it's 2000 or 2500 calories in the entire meal if you eat everything all at once but yeah i mean oh, you don't have to the bags. but like yeah and it, yeah it's like the size of like an oreo pouch thing like a full-size oh. oreo and you take everything out and you eat you know the the cookie and the whatever else you set that out but then you take the thing that you cook you put it back in the bag with the heating pouch put a little water in it roll it up shake it let it sit and cook for like a minute take it out and then you got a hot meal okay so that one's different than just the normal backpacking bags then too um it yeah because those will be just like a single meal like just like a two person serving of chili or whatever this thing will come with like you know some spaghetti and um some some freeze-dried ice cream sandwiches or like you know and a couple of different things so within that one pouch is a full day's worth of calories uh and you can eat it however you want to with one with one heat up meal and then other just cold eat them as you go things it's not fine dining but it's you know it's it's good enough to keep the troops alive yeah that's cool. What's the name of it again? M I M R E S. They come. It stands for okay. yeah. It's a military thing. Meals cool. ready to eat. Okay, nice. I'll have to look into that. So yeah, if you go to any PX store, I know there's one over by like a. Oh, I think there's one in Godwin. Okay. And you could probably get them on Amazon too. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, I want to talk a little bit more about uh, some business stuff before uh, before we start wrapping it up. You've got really cool merch, and part of it is cool because it's got your work on it. So everybody should go um, check out the merch at randyfordart.com. Thanks. That's that That's view. Randy with an I, randyfordart.com. Um, and yeah, you can get cups and shirts, and you can also go in there and buy buy the art and the prints and all that stuff too. But when it comes to merch specifically, because I'm looking at branching out into that, how do you evaluate like a good merch person to partner up with? And have you had any horror stories without naming names? Like, yeah, one time I ordered this and all the decals peeled off before they even got mailed out. Yeah. Well, so I just started doing that because um, I've always been nervous to get merch because going for one thing, the art festivals, you're not supposed to sell like reproduce things. So that's not something I would sell at my fine art shows where I sell in person. Um, so this is just something that I'm doing through my website and they're actually just printed on demand. So I don't have inventory at all. Yeah. That's um, how most of those sites work unless you buy things by like the hundreds or thousands. Right. Yep. Yeah. So this was like, I use Shopify for my website and they have the whole drop shipping apps. So I found like different companies to work with through there that make, my uh shirts and my cups so right now it's gone pretty well besides sometimes it takes a long time to get them to people um not too long just like it's not like me instantly shipping it out it's they not have like to amazon prime where you get it within like yeah. two or three days <laughs> yeah. yeah so um it's worked out well for me because i don't have to just have an inventory and if someone orders it then it gets made and sent to them so oh and i know people that work um you know small business owners who work in a in a individual shipping thing and it, it's driven a mad in the past. They had to hire like dedicated people just to making sure orders get 
sent out on time. Yeah. For like printing companies or something? No, actually, I think it was the, the um, no, yeah, it was my buddy, the, the guy that has the seed company. Okay. Because they can sell seeds. And because I think seeds technically get classified as a novelty item. I'm okay. Not sure. I'm not sure why seeds are okay, but when when they grow, it's illegal in places. Um, but yeah, uh, and you know, it was a thing where you couldn't just like have a company do it. You had to actually, oh yeah, put your physical product in the mail and. Yeah, it's a whole process. Yeah, it's really helped me to like not have to do that too. Because yeah, when I do get my, because I make my own paper prints and. When I do that around Christmas time, I get a lot of those orders that like takes my whole week up from actually creating because then I have to print the prints and package them and get them together and ship them. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, it's lots hmm. of different things to manage. So, this this ways makes it a lot easier for me to manage. Any tips worry. for people, artists or otherwise, who are looking to get into the merch game? Yeah, I think just looking into the the apps like that is a great idea i know i have another friend that has turned to designing apparel he's an artist and he started doing that and he's been selling his work to people over in like china and stuff have bought their his, his stuff off his website so mm. he's still getting into it but um but yeah just making designs on different products and things like that so i think there's a lot of people that do that that you wouldn't think know that actually have it printed that way did you feel weird I'm not saying you should because actually somebody told me this um, that when I was like, I'm thinking about, you know, starting merch and maybe trying to sell like a t-shirt or, you know, something for the the podcast. And they're like, well, you know, are you trying to make money on the podcast or are you doing it because you like doing it? And I was like, well, can it be both? Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever feel weird? Like, you know, venturing into like, Oh, I sell merch now. Am I still an artist if I sell merch? Um, No. <laughs> Yeah, because you got to survive, right? Yeah, and well, that's not even what makes me that much money, I guess. It didn't really make me that much money at all. I just wanted to, I like t-shirts and I like t-shirt designs and it's just a different art form. So yeah. um, it was just a way for me to express myself in a day, different way where people could have my work on a mug. Because like a lot of people like my work and they don't have the money to buy $3,000 painting, um, right. but they want a mug of mine. So um, it was really just like a fun project. And I think I'm going to continue to design more t-shirts and things like that. Cause I, uh, that was going to be my next question is, are you going to do more shirts? Cause I think it is as cool as it is to have your stuff hanging up somewhere, just to have somebody like wearing your painting and walking around with it. That's gotta be kind of cool, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think I will. Yeah. This one was like one of my favorite scenes that I did the t-shirt of and, um, Oh yeah. yeah, it's the same one we were talking about, I think. Yep. Yep, but it's <laughs> yeah. the same scene. It's a different like it's the same scene, but it's not exactly the same picture, you know. <laughs> cropped, cropped a little yeah. differently, yeah. Yeah, different. Um, but I want to do other nature designs though too. Like I really like mushrooms and um I wanted to do like a mushroom one. So I think I'll eventually dive into that, but it's took me a long time to actually have that come into vision like over a year I was planning to do the that project and I finally had time to during COVID because all my art fairs got canceled and I was like well I'm gonna then I was able to devote my time to doing some different things during that so speaking of which I'm sorry I was just noticing the uh picture that 
It's already sold out, so I can't buy it now, even if I wanted to. The, the <laughs> mushrooms you did, the family. Yeah. Do you want that one? It says it's sold out. I actually have it in my house because <laughs> I was going to keep it. <laughs> so I bought it myself. <laughs> but all the all other right. ones actually sold besides that one. <laughs> I'll, I'll look for plenty. There's plenty of other good ones in there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose from. Yeah. But yeah, that's um, the one painting I actually just have because I wanted to keep it. <laughs> the sad thing is when I'm looking at these, a lot of the ones that have, are, are immediately grab my eye, I'm like, oh, well, it's sold out. I guess it grabbed a lot of people's eye. Ooh, Shoreline Hughes, that's pretty too. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just admiring your work while you're oh, sitting you're over here watching me do it. Oh, no, you're good. <laughs> um, all right. I don't know. I don't know that I've got that much more to say to you, except, oh, I wanted to ask you because another, just see if this is a thing that happens to all creative type people. When I know that I have like most of a day or at least a good couple hours to get something done creatively, it's like no problem. But if somebody's like, oh, you got to slide this in today. So you've only got an hour and a half. Most of the time I'm just like, well, I'm not even going to bother then because by the time I get into, like you were saying, that flow state, it'll be almost time to be done. So I'll just wait until I have time. Can you, um, can you kind of turn it on more quickly now? Does that muscle improve over time or do you still um, need that, that space to kind of, to kind of get there? Yeah. Um, no, I think so. I think I've been working a lot towards like being able to balance things well within the last few years mm. and just kind of like, you know, finishing something, focusing, and then moving on and then doing like planning out my days of what I'm going to get done in that amount of time that I can get it done. So like this morning, were you the stereotypical creative person who was kind of just scatterbrained, do whatever is feels good in the moment before that or not? No, really? I've, I've been starting to plan more like how I'm going to have my day go. Yeah. It's like I strategize how I'm going to finish things in time. I'm really good at planning, I think. Um, so always or recently more developed. Um, I think I've always had a a good knack for planning. Like I've always accomplished my goals. Like I've always had my work for a show or like finished the assignment or I've always finished everything that I've wanted to in time. Mm. So like today before I was only going to have like an hour and a half (laughs) to work on a painting before we talked. So I'd finished on my doing my emails and everything and I'm trying to start a new painting. So I said, I'm going to finish the sketch or like just work on the sketch for the painting during this time. And then I'll be able to dive back into like fully developing it after that. So I got that section done, but that's what I knew I was going to get, get close to being done. So um, I didn't expect. That actually makes me think of a different question too. So the paint, you use acrylic paint and I don't know, you know, I don't, I don't know one paint from another paint, except that I know oil paint will stay wetter longer, right? Yes. It's wet. It's a, yeah. Oil based. So it'll take. That's like Bob Ross. His whole thing was he would do his whole painting in one go. And like that specific, he liked oil paint because you could manipulate it all while it was still wet. And yeah. But, um, so why acrylic paint? And then can you stop and go like day to day or do you kind of have a certain amount of time where you're like oh well no i gotta finish this before such and such dry well no yeah i'm asking too many questions but now i'm thinking to myself 
the the way that you layer things, you'd almost have to like let something dry, then paint over it too, right? Yep. Yeah, that's why I've been drawn. If you can make to... a question out of that. Answer it. Yes, <laughs> that's why I've been drawn to the acrylics. I I have painted in oil, and I some of those paintings you were looking at were oil. Um, I do like the look when it's more blended and the colors are more luminous. I think too, but. Mm. The way that I, my technique is, I have a lot of line work integrated throughout and I like have a lot of defined edges and shapes that I like to bring out in the piece. Um, so using acrylics, it dries like instantly, pretty much like, mm. you know, within a few minutes. So with my technique, I like to be very meticulous about the shapes I'm creating. And so acrylic works for me because I can do that with it. Where oils, I wouldn't be able to reshape the shape over and over until I get it just a perfect shape. Now, when you say that reshaping it, do you mean like the way that a sculptor is like, nope, I just got to push this just a little more? Or do you actually like take like a painter's knife, scrape it off and do it again? Oh, nope. You don't scrape it off. It's just a thin layer of acrylic. Okay. So, so I'll just like, you know, redefine the shape or like pull it down over the other color if I want it, the blue to come lower over the green or something like that. So um, that's why I enjoy it. You've done a, yeah, I think I, I feel like I've seen on your social media that you've done a, um, a time-lapse before, right? Yes. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I got to go back and watch that now after listening to you talk about the way that you do it. Cause yeah, as a, as a, as a non-talented visual artist, anyway, I, uh, I, I just see people making art and I'm like, wow, that's fascinating. But I, I don't know the technique that goes into like, finding the angle where things are going to disappear off to and, you know, balancing this with this. Yeah. I don't know all that. I'm just so dumb when it comes to that stuff. Yeah. Well, that's why I like the acrylics too, because once I develop a piece more, like the, like the weight of the different shapes, like depending on if they're lighter or darker might throw the painting off in the balance and where it's like feeling peaceful. So then I'm able to like re go in and like, change those areas to where it feels really peaceful looking at it and not like unbalanced and creates tension. So yeah. um, I have that on my YouTube channel. I don't really post very many things on there, but I made a YouTube channel so that I could post these um, time-lapse videos. So I do have them on Instagram too, other short, shorter time-lapse. This yeah. is what, I made a really like full painting time-lapse and that's uh, to music that I like. Mm-hmm. So it's to music. <laughs> I like so you get to see and um so there's two paintings on there I think I did that you can take a look at and it's the full painting so it's right just on. Randy Ford flow paintings on YouTube cool well um that's as good a segue as any tell people where they can find all of your stuff okay yeah so on Instagram you can view my work and follow me on there um Randy Ford flow paintings with underscore in between each word and then I also have my website, randyfordart.com. Again, it's Randy with an I. And um, there I have my canvas prints, my paper prints, and my original pieces, as well as the merch. And um, canvas prints are really nice. They look great. They look almost, a lot of people think they're real paintings when I show them at different events I do. So they look nice. I also have them framed as available, like in a framed option as well. Um so, and then also I have a Facebook too, which is Randy Ford Flow Paintings as well. So, but Instagram and uh, the website is kind of like where I'm mainly focused at. You know what? I feel like a, 
everyone's got their own favorite social media. And when people say Facebook, I'm just kind of like, really? And Twitter, I like Twitter a little bit more than I like Facebook. But Instagram okay. is by far my favorite one to just like, if I'm just going to scroll onto one just to like waste some time. Yeah. Instagram. I'm not usually on the other ones without like a purpose more. Yeah. Yeah. Instagram, I have a lot of artists that I follow on there. So yeah, I like to go on there also more. It's more inspiring than Facebook with all the drama and everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Twitter, people use Twitter to to get upset about things more. So I think it's yeah. Instagram. I found some yeah. upsetting stuff on Instagram too, but not oh, not okay. in as high a volume, I don't think, as uh, as the other ones. Yeah. The other ones are a lot of like, can you Opinion. believe what this person said? And can you believe this person believes this? And it's like, okay, I'm going to go yeah. look at Randy Ford's paintings on Instagram instead of this. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, do that. <laughs> All right. Well, oh, um, also, oh, wait, one other thing too. Yeah. I have a newsletter that I send out. So I have a, a lot of people that follow me on there. And that I send out maybe like bi-weekly, depending on like what my new pieces, when I have my new pieces or sales and things like that. Um, I send out a newsletter and you can sign up for that on my website. There's a pop-up form so you can receive like my new work before other people do. And just it has a little bit more content in that than, you know, Instagram posts or something like that. So if you want to do that, you can receive it in your email. Right on. All right, yeah. <laughs> hang on, uh, hang on for a second. Um, after we say goodbye for the show, and I'll, I'll tell you all the the secrets of North Manitou. Okay, sounds good. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. Thanks to all the sponsors. Please check them out. Go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash creative hops and you can buy me a coffee if you uh, like the show. Uh, check me out on my social media. Go to ChristopherTallon.com and go to RandyFordArt.com. Check her out, all her socials, her YouTube, all that. Thanks everybody. Have a good one.